Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. You see such modern wisdom in that, particularly when Seneca was one of the first psychologists, I believe, in the world to actually say that this is an insight into what humans are going through. And it's why you can read that today and still pick up so many things that will resonate with your personal experience too. This is Jamie Ryder, the founder of Stoic Athenium, which helps brands to share their philosophy with the world through better copywriting. And what really excited me about Jamie's work is all done through the lens and with inspiration from Stoic philosophy. As you might already have guessed, we will totally geek out on this episode talking Stoic philosophy and also how you can apply that to life. We start out by exploring Jamie's journey and how he fell in love with food and drink as well as Stoicism. We discuss what Stoicism is and how he has implemented it into how he writes and built his business. We talk how you can use Stoicism to become a better human and leader. And we dive into examples from our own experience in studying and practicing Stoic philosophy. We also discuss how Stoic philosophy can be key to building better leadership skills when it comes to leading yourself and others. We touch on what Japanese drinks is and why they could be the next big thing. We also toss on the current state of the hospitality industry and what some of the challenges and what solutions that could be put in place to solve this. Jamie shares his learnings over the last couple of years setting up his own business and also managing himself in that process. At the end of the conversation, we get some super stoic advice from Jamie on how to build better businesses from the inside out. If you liked today's episode, it will mean the world to me if you could leave a review on the show on our website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the reviews, the better the guest, and ultimately, the better the learning is for you. Now, dear Maverick, it's time to grab your pen, notebook, and your favorite drink and take in the learnings in this conversation. And more important, put them into action as a true stoic person would do. Enjoy. So this is my first time, I would say, actually, to... I've, I've talked a bit about this before on the show, a bit like in coincidence. I've talked about stoicism and my, my own journey and how I actually really adapted to it just before the pandemic. I got a book I have up here behind me. It's called The, uh, the Daily Stoic and uh, the book to reflect in. And I found out it was this guy, Ryan Holiday in the US, and I found out actually he hadn't invented anything. He actually gone back in time, all the way back to the Romans and even before them. There's probably been stoicism around, philosophy around how to live a great life. 
And actually, the great thing about this is it's very practical, as I mentioned before. But I really haven't had the opportunity to to dive into it deeper than, you know, one once or twice, touching on it. And actually, that opportunity came with uh, I connected with Jamie, because Jamie he is uh, also. I would say use the word obsessed about stoicism. He's so obsessed he actually based his whole, you know, content marketing business on it. And actually today we're gonna talk about then how do you connect stoicism with marketing and content, but also we're gonna talk about what has that to do with you know Japanese drinks of all kinds of things. Uh, so with that said, welcome to the show, Jamie. I'm very excited about today. Oh, well, thanks for having me on, Michael. It is an absolute pleasure to dive into some very random subjects together that might seem a bit out of place before we start getting into it. But I'm sure by the end of the conversation, we'll have everything together and it will all make sense, which is the Stoic way. Yeah, I think it's our uh, tribute to, to Stoicism and we'll, we'll do our best because we are still learning and we'll, we'll always be learning, as they say, in Stoicism. So... Just give the audience a bit of, you say, give them a bit of a framework, you know, what is Stoicism about, you doing marketing and content and, and journey you've been on, like the, the major steps you've been on in, in your journey and launching your business. Absolutely. So with everything, it's always great to go back to the start. So originally I have been in marketing and copywriting for almost 10 years, I think it is now. And I should say from a very young age, I was aware of philosophy, but I was one of those people as a kid that, oh, it's philosophy. I don't really see how there's any practical applications to this. It's just something that I'm going to study. And I was one of those people that thought it was quite high minded and a bit dry. And then years later, I was like, wow, this is so different. But essentially where that began was because in the pandemic, obviously, there was a lot of uncertainty and everybody was going through different things and then how to deal with that. And for me, having a history of social anxiety that I'd had to face on and off for various reasons, that really ramped up to the extreme. And at the same time with copywriting, I really felt very burnt out on it and I had to really make a decision about where I was going to go with this. Do I want to continue or do I want a completely new path and then philosophy just came at the right time particularly stoicism you mentioned ryan holiday before and that was the catalyst it was listening to the daily stoic podcast learning about this thing that i'd actually heard about prior i remember being in a marketing agency and somebody handed me marcus aurelius's meditations and i thought okay I'm, I'm aware of you know i grew up liking ancient history loved the romans loved the greeks but i never really attributed it to anything particularly philosophical i saw this book that resonated with me because here was a guy that was still talking about things that seemed quite modern but i didn't really have the stoic background to it but then after listening to the daily stoic and then remembering the meditations i went back to it after that and then my eyes just like my god this is just so profound now that i have this insight and then just by reading it again and again it started a rabbit hole to say that the practices are so easy to understand but paradoxically they're not easy to understand and then it was that repetition element to it so by diving into that stoic rabbit hole it really opened the door for me to appreciate philosophy generally as a subject and then that does tie into why I chose to want to go off on my own and be self-employed as a copywriter, because 
the idea for me was that I think every business has a philosophy or a set of values that they need to share with their audience. And then personally, they have some set of personal values that they show up as a business owner or as a leader as well. So the copy that people share with their audience is absolutely essential to sharing that, but also stoicism, any general kind of philosophy in the modern day, it's just practical. It is down to earth. And that's the crux of what Stoic Athenian is about. It's that copywriting element, but also trying to help bring these ancient ideas as down to earth as possible and make it sexy at the end of the day, you know? What, what is it like your your mission you're on now? What is like your what is it that you want to achieve with a business that's built on the, you know, the foundation in principle, the idea, the beliefs as you talk about that's so important in business that actually, you know, you understand why I'm first of all, why I'm doing what I'm doing and how I'm gonna do it, like the, the beliefs of the foundation of your business. What what is like what what is the end goal? Do you have one? Yeah, it's a great question and it's always an evolving concept, but a big thing about Stoic Athenian for me was really understanding the values of a business and how those are forged and how people can stand by what they say they stand by. Because to take an example with the Stoic virtues, justice, wisdom, temperance and courage, that's where I wanted to build Stoic Athenium from, from those virtues and showing up as that person in my day-to-day life, whether it's with family, friends or with clients too. But also it's about trying to see how businesses understand their values, particularly around the foundations And the idea around this for me, I I think loads of people have different opinions on this, but I think when I think of values, I think of these buzzwords that say you want to be sustainable, you want to be authentic. And yes, that is perfectly fine. But what do those mean in context? Because without context, they are just hollow words that don't really go anywhere. So it's actually asking yourself, how have you used this idea of authenticity in your personal life or how are you trying to be authentic with your employees or how are you trying to be sustainable with your customers are you parts of any initiatives that actually back up what you are saying essentially and then that is a part of what i do with the business is doing a workshop called brand circles of care that analyzes the values of the business at that foundational core and then creating the copy that might ultimately come out of that, but also giving that business a way to pivot if they need to think about that more critically. And and I guess also what really makes you stand out is actually you you're using Stoic philosophy in the way you you know choose clients, the way you, you, you I guess you deal with clients, the way your processes are built up, the way you think in principle marketing in a very very different way than others so that's been my own impression that when i've been over your your site and i've been reading your you have a white paper people can go and get a little plug in there but it's like quite quite uh, inspiring about how you actually if you know anything about stoic philosophy i can see how you actually have built the foundation there for sure and when i think of the word philosophy it's very interesting because i have had people say I kind of get it, but I also would like to know more because when people think of the word philosophy, it might seem a bit academic, but it is always going back to that idea of tell me what you stand for. What do you actually want to leave behind in the world? What is your legacy with this business? And by looking at these stoic practices or from any ancient school of thought, bringing that idea into your idea of personal values and growth is very important as a human being. And that is how I tend to look at it from that initial standpoint. 
But interestingly, with the drinks industry and the hospitality industry, I want to touch upon, I think it's got a lot of resonance, generally philosophy in the sense that people are in a very stressed environment, particularly around what's happened in the pandemic and everything that's going on with the cost of living crisis, with staff retention and bars and restaurants closing down. I do believe one stoic philosophy has a great resonance there but also epicureanism philosophy which is slightly different because when i i don't know what you think of when somebody says epicurean but i used to think that was you know i like fine food i like drinks and it's fine to just indulge and overindulge but the original philosophy for that epicureanism was about moderation epicurus started a society in greece where he just wanted to step back from the world and people confuse that with hedonism to say that it's about pursuing pleasure and just pure pleasure just to avoid pain. But in an epicurean context in the hospitality industry, I think there's such a goldmine of information there because if you think about it from if you're trying to set up an event or perhaps you're a sommelier, for example, you could create a epicurean event where it's set outside in a green space. You invite certain people. Epicurus was very big on friendship, so it's bringing that sense of community together. But also because there is alcohol in the mix, you can say to be a true Epicurean, it is about moderation. So you can have a couple of drinks, but that is the pleasure that you can have. But let's avoid the pain of having that hangover after, yeah, or at least have some water in between. Or... A big trend that I'm seeing now in the drinks industry is around no and low. So that is a great way that you could potentially promote the no and low category for that experience. It's that Epicurean thinking to say, yes, this is about moderation, but you can bring it together in this really community-based environment that gets people interested, but also helps to apply to the mental health concepts too. And it's very interesting you say there where you take something from stoicism and start to apply it on a, a situation, especially hospitality that is you know, under such huge transformation and the distress there is around that. And actually stoicism came around because there was huge changes in society and there was people that wanted to find a way how do I actually manage that in the inner works, as you say. And moderation is probably something we need in the whole world because the planet is also burning one of my hot topics as well. But I, I wanted to go a bit back as well because I also, this, I don't know if you met this, Jamie, but when you go out and start claiming you are a, a stoic, stoic and you are studying stoic philosophy and you start to bring that in in the work context and I've sometimes when I felt it was okay and opening brought it in when I work with a business leader, coaching them and around their team and so on. And actually they often think it's that thing about being that elite soldier, that that hardcore person and that just goes through everything without reacting. There's no pain in my life. I can take, just come with it. Is that true? Is that actually how you should interpret uh, stoicism? I don't think that's the right way at all, in my personal opinion, because I think for me, I was very guilty of that thing about little less stoicism versus big S stoicism, where particularly for us Britons, it's like, oh, we must keep a stiff upper lip we must grit our teeth and just not show our emotions and i will hold my hands up i was very guilty of that but when i discovered the philosophy the big s that really changed my mindset about a lot of things it is saying it is okay to say 
I don't have all the answers. Look, I'm going through stuff here that I need help with because I'm going to butcher this quote, but Marcus Aurelius said something about if you are a soldier on the wall of battle, then it's fine to ask your fellow soldier or your employee or whoever just for help. I just need that extra hand to get there. And as the, I believe, the actual thing about stoicism is, it's so, sort of living in accordance with nature. And what I take that to mean is it's living in accordance with human nature, i.e. things will always be beyond your control. And yes, you have to tolerate it to a certain point, but it's also regulating your emotions appropriately to that person too. So if you're feeling anxious, then you need to appropriate yourself to that situation. Or if they're feeling anxious, then if you can sense that, then it's about creating that comfortable environment for them particularly if you're a leader as well and i think actually in your white paper which i studied and actually funny enough is when i had to, the best definition i found myself was to have over here on my little board with my values and what a great day looks like and the question what is mvp and so on and do one thing well it says then there's this quote hanging as you have here the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing socrates and I think that's like where it's, that's leadership on the highest level for me, because in a way you admit that, you know, you say you're humble enough to say, I know some things I can show up, but that's also, I don't know a lot about a lot of things in a way. And that's also like opening up saying that actually you're on a journey and you're constantly on that journey. I think also there is, if you read some of the stuff on the analysis on Marcus Aurelius, he was still studying as he was dying because he said, I'm never done. I will continue to, I can't open my eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I love about Marcus particularly is that if you think about it, the meditations was never meant for publication. It was just something that he wrote to himself as a personal journal where just, I, try, I need to be a better person. I need to remember this. I'm in charge of the most important empire in the world at that time but i need to be on point to say that even if i don't have all the answers i still need to regulate that and we're still talking about that today and that will send me off on a tangent about seneca too another of my favorite philosophers with letters from a stoic i would absolutely always recommend that text and seneca was going through slightly different circumstances but even if you just take one of those letters per day you see such modern wisdom in that, particularly when Seneca was one of the first psychologists, I believe, in the world to actually say that this is an insight into what humans are going through. And it's why you can read that today and still pick up so many things that will resonate with your personal experience, too. Yeah, and I think I think I think what really like if we, we should put a, a dog tail and you can add something to this, Jamie, as well. what I found, because I see myself as a, a doer. Uh, and uh, what I found was the first time I connect with something actually the only way to become better at, at this is actually doing it and you can actually because it's so concrete and so you know practical uh, applied as you said in the beginning actually suddenly you feel you're progressing if you reflect of course um, and I use Ryan Holidays and my I'm starting now to adapt to my own setup where I take my own quotes and write something about but I actually started with listening to the Daily Stoic as you did and then I got the book the Daily Stoic and the reflection as you can see up here behind they're there um, and um, and then I do that every morning and evening 
and therefore suddenly then as uh, as i read in the med- meditations i think it's marcus really says that you have to study every day to become a philosopher and i actually thought first i'm a business person i'm not a philosopher and then actually funny enough uh, it took me back to actually business school because actually in business school i had a, a teacher we spent half a year with that talked about business philosophy and and actually we, and I went back and found that book the stoics was in there but I didn't compute it I didn't think it was important I thought it was important to create strategies and executing on plan so I actually discounted that whole course and passed quite well but I didn't really see it as any value before I got to where I am now and it's so interesting there's also again coming back to the the virtues wisdom because you get life wisdom with with gray hair as well and find out you need things to help you get through difficult times and if you actually practice before the difficult times it's much easier to get through the difficult times so yeah i don't know if you have anything to add to that or just a bit my thoughts from what you said no well before i get that i don't think you can really be a philosopher if you don't have a beard right so i think we both so we both both a beard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but that that is very true michael yeah. i i 100% agree with that because to me, going back to that idea, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. It doesn't matter how old you are or what industry you're, you're in. It's admitting that there's always more to learn and going back to the basics if you need to, to just continue to repeat. And I do see some nice uh, dovetails with the stoic aspect too, because there's a lot of practices that might seem quite simple in the school, but the actual hard work comes from doing them over and over and over. And that might seem quite monotonous when you start doing it. But when you actually start building it as a habit, like the journaling, for example, then it becomes second nature. And then you can reflect back on that progress too. And I think of something called eudaimonia, which the Stoics were very big on. And when I think of that, it's that really fleeting moment of, clarity or and some feeling that you know what this went really well and even if it's only a few seconds then it's a calming influence at least in my opinion yeah i i totally agree i totally agree and actually that, that actually brings me actually on to the next question that's really on my mind like if we then now we started a bit as you said a bit up in the sky and now we're trying to get in to become a bit more concrete here in the conversation but again philosophy is it's not always concrete before you start practicing that's uh, as we just got to but what can we uh, uh, you know take think about the audience what could the leaders that's listening out here to the show and we have many of them what how can they apply you know if you should put the, the, yourself in their shoes how can they apply this in their life and what kind of impact would they see on their teams their businesses you already referred a little bit before to to the hospitality and drinks industry yes yeah, so i will say three stoic practices that i think anybody can really apply in hospitality or any leadership position. The first is called the view from above, which I attribute to Marcus Aurelius. It is that idea of taking a big picture view. So if you want to root it in hospitality, say you are a chef or you are a bartender or a bar manager that there's chaos going on around you, the restaurant is packed and everything's going on. You might be a bit short with your staff because you need them to be on point as well. But a way to defuse the anxiety that you might be feeling is just to imagine that the people around you, they're probably going through similar situations as well. But then you'll take it a step further by imagining that you're in your city and everybody outside of that place is probably having a bad day or things are on their mind. And then finally, you'll go 
up to the sky and then out into the world and picturing that you're looking down at the globe and you are linked to a thread of humanity across the world and then slowly slowly you'll come back down into yourself and then the idea is that hopefully once you have taken that big picture view it might have diffused that anxiety or that anger and you can see in the grand scheme of things then that might not be as bad as you thought and you might be able to carry on with your day the second thing is the premeditation of adversity which i love from seneca and that is rehearsing for the worst case possible scenario not to be negative it's about building that idea of resilience within yourself so again to take that hospitality perspective if you're trying to imagine things are beyond your control and things will happen in a chaotic situation you'll think to yourself what would I do in this situation or what could possibly go wrong? And it is rehearsing that in your mind over and over. And then even if that stuff does happen, the point is you rehearsed enough that it could mute that anxiety. And even if it does happen, you are more prepared to deal with it. And then the final stoic techniques that comes to mind for me is called Amor Fati. Now, this is really interesting for me because that translates to a love of fate and it's usually attributed to Nietzsche, who wasn't a Stoic, but the Stoics were certainly aware of that. And when I first came across this, I thought, right, it's loving your fate. So that is static to me. I don't really have any say in my fate. Fate is fixed. And I thought, mm. but once I dived a bit more into it, then it started to make sense because the Stoics believe that fate is fluid and you can look at it from moment to moment to an extent. And it is looking at the silver linings of things because you might be in a traffic jam on the way to work for example and you need to get into a big meeting but there's nothing you can do about that because you're trapped in that place but you might look out the window and you might see something that really cheers you up even if it's this the sky is blue the sun is shining you might hear a song in the car that makes sense to you and it just cheers you up and that is appreciating that thing in that moment your fate in that moment is just you in that car but you chose to embrace it so that's what i see is amor fatty and it's quite interesting as well the, the last one you said because i've just uh, all of them are interesting because actually you know there's nothing more important when you lead in a, in a stressful environment the first thing i learned as a shift manager if you take the big picture exactly if you don't feel you have the big picture withdraw and come back not for hours just one minute away and then just think through what needs to happen now so people feel that actually you are calm in the storm not because you need to have a stiff lip and and, and and actually just be emotional but actually that you just see things from go away from the situation actually come back into it again and and then also the uh, the whole thing about actually preparing for the worst so i i was trained in mcdonald's so we always i learned to run shift there's three scenarios it goes absolutely as we are planned to the budget it goes absolutely over and we uh you know understaffed or we don't have enough food or there's nothing to do today. There's not going to be the sales or there's something that's going to break. The, the drinks machine breaks down. And that's what McDonald's practice training you in. And therefore, you actually become a very good shift manager if you always think that in your preparation to your shift and you inform your people about, this is how it's going to go today. This is what I believe that's going to happen. And this is what we're going to do. Because then suddenly you only not thought about it yourself. We also told your team. And therefore, if something goes wrong, that's what my experience is very late. The team adapt very quickly and then coming back to the other thing i actually start out with fate i just every year in january i read a book the alchemist and the alchemist is actually about fate and actually the silver linings on your journey and the omens that are shown on that journey 
and it's actually falling in love with the journey because it's more the input you put in at every step of the journey that determines the outcome and thereby the that there's some difficult things that's going to happen on that journey but the outcome the end outcome probably gonna be quite good if you actually just are in the moment i think I'm very guilty of that myself, always looking ahead. I want to achieve this. I want to do this. I want to make this impact. But sometimes I actually forget to be here in all all areas of life. So I think fate can actually be experienced in this moment right now, even though it's you've been interrupted, as you say. As you said, you sit in the car. You, I, I've now learned myself to turn, oh, this is an opportunity to listen to a podcast for 10 minutes. I didn't have the time to do all. If the train stops, yeah, well, I have 10 minutes more to to write something or listen to something I didn't have. So again, and actually it's only me getting irritated about that I lost that time. Nobody else really cares. So why don't get the best out of that time? Sure. And another stoic phrase that you might be aware of it is the obstacle is the way. Just reframe that situation and you get that time back then. That time is no longer has been robbed from you because you're not giving it the time of day. You've taken that back for yourself. Yeah, I think I think obstacle uh, is the way. It's also a book uh, that has written a book by Ryan Holiday, where he actually goes deep into how to approach difficulties and problems and challenges. And it is a is a massive uh, important read for leaders in these times. I actually put it in the newsletter recently, and I talked about it on the show. And I actually a book I give away to people right now because we need to frame. It doesn't. It's not saying that problems are not hard, and we just need to again to be hardcore. It's again, in a way, finding mechanism to move around them and actually live with them for the time you need because they always go away at some point. Things always have an end, no matter what. But what about, how is this all connected to to your passion with Japanese drinks then? Because now we've been very much into stoicism and talked about that and, and there's also a passion for Japanese drinks. And I can almost see, because I've done martial art, my son is doing it now, I can see definitely connection between Stoicism and Japanese culture, in a way. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I will have to backtrack a little now because a couple of years ago, I started a magazine called Yamato Magazine as a passion project. I have been into Japanese culture since I was very young. I have never been, but the reason why I wanted to create Yamato was because I could bring that culture to me by writing about it in various reasons and even while I was writing about that in hindsight now I could see like my interest in philosophy was probably there deep down but looking at it through a very different lens in that eastern context because Yamato shares things about the food and drinks industry over there particularly with sake which we'll get into in a minute and just sharing stories from that side of the world so people who probably never been there or thought about it is something that can open their mind a bit. Now through writing on Yamato, I really got into sake and I didn't really know much about it. So that inspired me to do a tasting in Manchester, where I'm from. And that opened my eyes to that. Another rabbit hole. It went really well. Like the drink was fascinating to me. It tied in nicely with writing and creative work. And then eventually inspired me to take a couple of courses to learn how to do it professionally, which would help my writing. And now it's great to be able to share why these drinks are so fascinating whether it is sake nihonshu or spirits like shochu and awamori and to tie that into how i can help either the japan inspired brands with copywriting or drinks in the copywriting sector too what is it that how do you put that into your work now are you working specifically with 
Japanese companies to help them co go in and communicate in the UK, or is it still, as you see, like a a passion project? Where or is it part of your day to day work? Actually, working on 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 drinks brands from 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 Japan and being involved in it yourself. So Yamato at this point is still a passion project, but that is something that I'm expanding into with another thing of mine called Drink to That. That is on Substack, which is basically looking at categories from all over the world and looking at how they market their businesses, how they look at things through copywriting. And that is growing slowly, which I'm excited to share more about because to me, trying to build those communities around these really interesting drinks. And it's not just about sake. I love whiskey, rum, craft beer, wine as well. It's like putting a spotlight on people who are making these things, but there might not necessarily be much information out there. So by interviewing these people as well, it helps them to build their rapport. And equally, I get better, as I said before, with not knowing everything. If I'm trying to help drink brands in a copywriting context then the more i know about these categories the more primed i am to be able to help solve their problems through that written word yeah it's very interesting as well when we talk about moderation before i think japanese culture there's also a discipline and moderation with things and also alcohol i'm not saying they're not drinking but um there's definitely something around moderation everything is moderation i can remember my karate sensei said to me all about moderation, Michael. You can only train effective for so long. I can still remember him saying that because I wanted to do two hours sometimes, just continue, said, no, 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 you need to rest and then come back again. And it's like very interesting that the whole culture around food, Japanese food, you know, drinks, and I can really see it's coming now with the, the more focusing on well-being as well in, in the, here in the here in the Western world and the balance from, from the East. And that is very, I, I see it almost as I started. Now we have this conversation like Stoicism is almost the gate to the East, isn't it? Because that's Greece and that's when the East comes from, from, from Turkey and that way over. So it's like there is some kind of element of stepping stones to between these things. I don't know the depth of the concept, but there are a lots of different, sorry, there are lots of similarities between Stoicism and Buddhism, so I've heard. And to me, that might be a rabbit hole that I dive down next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've heard the same because actually I've been quite, uh, you probably can't see all the books, but there's some Dalai Lama books up there as well, which uh, I'm very inspired about when you talk about leadership and how you see communities and so on. So I can definitely see things that's actually repeated all the way you know either from buddhism or you know, who stole from who or they maybe all just have a very human view and actually comes from the the place of actually from nature and actually how do we actually fit into the bigger parts of all the systems what do you see then if you just dive if we, we take the big picture now we zoom out and we look at the industry and you work with the industry as well what see what do you see because there's a lot to talk about what the challenges are what do you think with your philosophic hat on that the the challenges for our industry the obstacles let's use the word obstacle because that's a stoic word well i alluded it a little before but what i really see particularly is around the cost of living crisis really having an impact on people wanting to tighten their belt a bit and actually not go into restaurants sometimes when it's pairing with the lack of staff too but in that context philosophy i think really has that ability to help 
the people in these positions shift their thinking and be a bit innovative as well because obviously with covid it really really damaged the industry and we're still not back to being 100 percent. and i don't know how long that will go on for but by trying to share what you stand for particularly if it's a new drink concept or a new bar concept or whatever like that if you have some unique differentiator or a set of values that really resonates with the customers that you're trying to focus on then i think that level of authenticity really goes a long way in my opinion um and it's really really interesting also because if you are able to to communicate what you said in the beginning as well what you believe in then i guess people can because lots of times i miss that um, especially from from hospitality and food and drinks, there's some that does an incredible job to communicating really what they stand for, and by saying what you stand for, you also tell people what you don't stand for, and therefore I think that becomes really really critical as we are tightening the belt, and then when we go out, we still want to go out. That's also there's lots of services people still want to go out, but I think they want the experience and the quality, and also knowing where they put their money gives sense to what compared to what they believe in. And I think it's very important that you're not in for everyone, that actually you're in for that, the raving fans and starting to build them in, in these times. Um, what what I want to also take the conversation a bit like over to, because you are a founder of business as well, and you're running a business now on your own and you're taking some brave move. But like as a human, and you already touched a bit on the beginning, like the pandemic was, was tough for you. Like, But what has been like your, your main learning as a human and business leader? the last two years oh what a question this is always going to change but i would say genuinely it is coming to a place where i am comfortable with who i am and it is just take me as i am and if you want to call that authenticity or whatever it's just being comfortable with who i am and then just showing up as that person within that philosophical mechanism of these inner beliefs that really motivate me these days and if I can show that and it helps people, then great. But I don't need to worry about things as much. Again, that's just put one of my quotes in my head. It is Seneca. We often suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. So I will sum that up by saying I tend to suffer less in imagination than I, I used to. Yeah, and, 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 and it's an ongoing battle working with that. You can still have days, even though... Uh... I think I practiced this for, for years, the thing like, you know, you have to show up who you are. You can't show up somebody you're not. And especially when you've been in in businesses, often you put on the, the corporate language in a way and, and people get an idea. And actually it's so important that you actually stay true and have the courage to show up to that person. I think it's one of the, the it is one of the, the, the stoic virtues is also, you know, have courage to, to live and be the person you are. Um, that's that's a really really good one because that's also like a very very difficult one and I think like that that's a very good learning actually the, the power of, of showing up uh, as yourself I want to take you to that comes back to something else because I think this is very connected actually something I've become very interested here in, in January and I think here yeah, in the first quarter because suddenly I found out as I was talking people here on the podcast people outside the podcast in my own business ventures there's lots of hard decisions to be made now, and they are complex, many of them. And then people say they're always complex. But now it's so tight, there's so much pressure, so it becomes really, really hard decisions. So how do you make hard decisions? 
if it's a live business, what is your approach? What do you need to do to get to a comfortable outcome? Well, the first thing I tend to do is go back into my stoic toolkit and say, is this necessary? It is that repetition of looking at what's going on and trying to be discerning with, if I'm trying to do this, is it really necessary? As in, if I'm working with this person, is that necessary? Should I shift my attention to this? And personally, as somebody who had dealt with a lot of anxiety earlier on in life, it used to feel quite chaotic. And by pairing it down to that idea of, is it necessary? That is a good starting point. But then building out into that's good big sky thinking. But for me, then it's like, right, is this necessary? Then I need the help where I need it. It is very, it might seem like a very simplistic answer, but I think it is just having the courage to say, I need help with this because you only know what you know. And if you don't have the wherewithal or the bandwidth to say, look, I need some, you know, honest hands, hands to God help with what's going on here, then I just think you're not going to progress or you, you need to shift your thinking and have that adaptability and that fluidity too and the honesty and I think what's the word I'm looking for here it is that sense of self to say that I'm okay with being vulnerable in this situation and I like the idea about actually what you do is like you step out of it and actually trying to understand the situation that's what I hear you say and then you try to find out what is the option and then you discuss these options with people that might can help you to to, to make a better decision is, is that correct understood Yes, that is what I was saying. It's essentially, you need to take a step back when you think of that view from above situation again. Think about the big picture first and then slowly come back down into yourself and think, who do I have in my network or who is there around me that could help me with this problem? And then just see what happens. Yeah, I love the thing as well. It comes back to what you said before, like, you know, often when something happens and you can feel it becomes difficult, actually it's because you suffer more in your imagination than in reality, as uh, Seneca would have said again. It comes back to that, because often in your head you're made into something that is maybe it's not. It's maybe not as a hard decision, not, not a complex. Or maybe it's obvious what you need to do. You need to make a choice between two things, and that's it. That's where the choice lies, and it's then it's where you maybe need help if they're both the top choices to, to, to make. Um, what what do you do to show up every day and actually continues, even when we just talked about this, tough, but actually moves you forward that every day, especially when you run your business, like you do, you work a lot on your own, uh, I guess, as well, and you need to find that motivation to show up in the best version of yourself every day. So it will depend based on the day, really. First, I would always say journaling is really good for me because it is just reflecting on what you did the day before to say, this might be what I need to do today and then trying to get to it. But even that is saying it's holding up your hands and saying, I did want to try this, but even if I don't always get 100% of this, it is just having that wherewithal to say it's fine. Another thing is going back into that stoic wheelhouse again and thinking, is it necessary, as I mentioned, because that one question really helps me in a personal standpoint. So it is just repetition because, again, you can say these things can help, but things will always come out of nowhere and then knock you back down. So it is just trying to fall back on that safety net. And I think, for me, philosophy really stands out as a 
safety net that can be as wide as you like and it will always be there to catch you once you have the energy to devote to these practices and then to push you forward again it's 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 interesting really because when i think of that i think of like a rhythm you might sway forward but then having something to fall back towards really pushes you forward again and then it is that constant swinging back and forth trying to find that balance i i love that i love really really love that because also it shows you that it's actually okay to have a bad day if you try to create you know the best day i was listening to a podcast the other day and i, I stole it from there where um, Tim Ferriss and James Clare were talking about how they show up. And then I think it's James Clare that says, I'm just focusing on making every day a great day and I've defined for myself what a great day looked like. And then he said something about writing. And, da, 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 da. and I, what really have helped me in January has actually been that for the first time ever, I've just like started thinking, no, it's not about a week. It's like, okay, you know what you need to do in the week, but then look at the days and say, what, how, what is a great day today? And then I found out very simply, as you said, it's like that it's like a rhythm it's not getting perfect every day. And I said, like, I need to learn something. I need to create, I need to move. I need to connect with some people uh, because I'm very ex extroverted. So if I don't do that, I get almost like anxiety. Very lucky I have young children. So there's always some, somebody that comes and wants something from me at some point. So always be the good. And then appreciate as well where you are and what you accomplished that you just said. And then like, just feel that you're contributing to the greater good, just that 1%. Little by little, a little becomes a lot. And I think I really love that because that really, for me, has been a game changer over last year. And it was actually their conversation that in a way got me to think that's what I need. It needs to be very clear. So when I can look at that at the end of the day and say, yeah, that's been a great day. Exactly. Okay. And then just be with it and don't analyze that that meeting could have gone better or that thing could have gone better. Or I should have closed that deal or we should have achieved this. No, actually, we, we, we put everything in. We did our best work and we put everything in to create a great day. And it, it is what it is. And to add to that point as well, I think your physical environment plays a massive role in that. For example, I love, I'm a bit of a quote-holic. You probably not noticed that, but I love to, to surround myself with like little maxims or things that if I'm having a bad time or whatever, I can just look up in my office and think, okay, that's, I have that on my wall for a reason. So that's, this is why this is here today. Just reading that really helps sometimes. Yeah. Um, I have uh, behind me the man in the arena, which is a, which is a very good um, principle. It's a speech from Theodore Roosevelt talking about that. You, you can, you can not point finger of the man in the arena that's actually doing the battle. And just remind me, if you're just in the arena every day and trying your best, there's no one that can blame you. You actually tried. And that's the most important thing. So it's really good to have different things to actually, as you say, not you, environment, predict performance, as I call it as well. Um, what is your top advice or what is your top stoic advice to leaders out there that want to build a business as a force for good? Because that's what the podcast is about. So it's always that question for people here. So I want to touch on this idea of community and while looking at it through the stoic lens, I think it really helped me personally because I mentioned that idea of living in accordance with nature. Zeno Ossitium, the founder of Stoicism, started it in the Stoa in ancient Greece. And to me, that was a community where people could come together just to debate their ideas openly. So first is that idea of having openness in your workspace or environment to have people come in with their ideas as well and have it as a democratic environment 
Secondly, I think if you're trying to build for a certain cause or you have a purpose, it 100% must have some sort of substance behind it. And that is a very subjective idea, what has substance. But if you have something that you 100% believe in and then other people believe in it with you, then you can build it. It is not just you. But I think it is interesting how you can bring people into your community as well. And an idea that I'm fascinated by as well from the ancient world is this idea of rhetoric. And when I think of rhetoric, originally I thought it has quite a bad press when you think of a politician who's just saying things to say things and there is no substance there. But again, the idea of rhetoric has been twisted over the years. I think it was Aristotle who originally came up with it to say, I have these three proofs when people are debating with each other and it's trying to structure an argument or trying to help people understand your point with logos, i.e. the logic of what you're trying to say, your ethos, your character, whereas you are a expert at what you do, but it's also your character. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Everything that will be remembered about you is your character and how you showed up for your employees. And it's also pathos as well, i.e. the emotion that you're trying to evoke in that person you're speaking to. So if you pair the idea of ethical rhetoric with those three proofs around the substance-based cause that will help people, then I think that is how you can draw people in and then build that and get people excited about it. That's a, I really love the last thing because actually as leaders often sometimes I can definitely see that myself as well we are we are such in a hurry to get the message across we actually forget how we deliver it and thereby we actually make more damage actually not because people are against the idea or our decision but actually because we don't take take thing time to think about how we actually deliver it and how we actually touched all those three areas you just mentioned here you know especially uh you know the uh, the emotion. How do you actually? How do you make the other person feel? And you can see it's not really resonating with them. That you might need to understand why. It might not be the decision. It might be the words you used, or uh, that's something to touch something in them from a, a previous experience. Um, so that's super super great advice there. What is the one question, uh, Jamie? You wished I've asked you, and uh, what would you have answered? Ah, oh, well, I remember when we first had our initial conversation, you've not asked me any book recommendations because I'm full of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so the, the, the question is, what is your number one book recommendation? So, well, let's see how many I can, I can get through that will actually be helpful in this short conversation. I will always recommend some Stoic books, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by Donald Robertson. That's an incredible book that really helps people get into the mind of Marcus Aurelius in a modern context and can be applied to leadership. You've also got Breakfast with Seneca by David Fidler, which again looks at Seneca's ideas from a top-down modern level and how you can apply it to your day-to-day -day life. And another philosopher that really resonates with me is Michel de Montaigne, a French philosopher who was a Epicurean, a skeptic and a Stoic all-in-one. He created the genre that we know as essays and there's a great book called how to live a life of montaigne and to see his teachings put in a modern context is phenomenal as well great some great book recommendations uh, and i don't think any of them have been on, on the show before so that that's even better we'll put it all in the in the show notes for for people to to look at as well where can people find out more about you connect with you and you know i already 
said there's a potentially white paper to download. I got a lot out and actually learned more about Stoicism, even though you can read it before. You just see it in a different context, as I said to you before we went live. But where do people do that and how do they connect? Yeah, for sure. So you can find me at stoicathenium.com. With my Japanese and my hospitality stuff, you can go to yamatomagazine.home.blog if you're interested in Japanese culture. And for my newsletter around the drinks and hospitality industry, it is drinktothat.substack.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing everything you knew, or some of it, I would rather say, you knew around stoicism. And I'm really happy for having my first conversation here. Uh, an intro into some Japanese culture and, and food and especially drinks and all the, the great advice you gave along. I send you your power and energy for, for, for your continuous journey and I, I'm sure we will touch base again and might even have another episode at some point on, on Stoicism here on the show. Well, thank you, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and I just want to say this podcast is fantastic. It's great to see what you're doing with the advice you're sharing and just bringing in different perspectives is really powerful and I hope it continues for many years to come. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others, and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bitsimply or bitsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bitsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the Podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick.